Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly pop culture podcast where we discuss all things film and television. My name is Jeff Zhang, and with me today is... Amir Ture. And I am Derek Wong. This week, we are diving into the eighth movie in the DC Extended Universe, and that is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, or it recently has been retitled Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. But before we dive into this movie, uh, let's welcome back Jeff. I know he was gone for a week off on a lovely vacation, and uh, we wanted to get his thoughts on uh, last week's Oscars. Yeah, I'm back. I'm happy to be back. And I was very, very sad to have missed the Oscars conversation last week. But um, <laughs> as usual, you guys did a killer job saying your piece on the thank you, thank topic. You. you guys covered most of the ground. So I just want to add a few of my thoughts and then we can get into Birds of Prey. Obviously, the big news out of this year's ceremony was Parasite's big wins, right? Mm-hmm. But I also want to point out that if you take that away, there's zero surprise to the ceremony, I think. Obviously, Parasite is a good foundation going forward, but it's obvious to me that the Oscars still have a diversity problem that it's actively trying to remedy slash hide. Mm-hmm. I wrote a whole article about the best and worst of the Oscars this year, and I think I called it... <laughs> performative white male guilt right (laughs) from all the intros to the sketches to the bits that they did i think the oscars took every opportunity to shout out women and people of color and they did all those things and everything except nominate them right Mm -hmm. because aside from like a few of the outliers the nominees were still mostly white men and i thought this was felt the most in the best director field i know derek you said that You would have loved to see Greta Gerwig in the running, and that's something I completely agree with. And obviously this wasn't going to happen because a lot of the excellent, excellent women-directed films weren't nominated for a single thing this year. But, like, I would have loved to see Celine Scama in there for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I would love to see Alma Harrell in there for Honey Boy, or even, like, Marielle Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. All of them to replace Todd Phillips, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, throw in Lulu Wong. Yeah, Lulu Wong. Oh, yeah. Can't believe I almost forgot Lulu Wong. Yeah. I don't want to get into it too much more, but you can read the rest of my list of the best and worst on the site. And I also just want to add one more thing. Lose Yourself is a fucking banger. And that was awesome. <laughs> I. Okay, maybe, we'll, <laughs> we, maybe we disagree on that one. I'm not saying it's not awesome. Like, I love the song. I was singing along, but it just, I was like, why is this happening? Like, I, I still question. It was 17 years after the fact, right? It was. It's not even a round number. It was very <laughs> odd. It's a very weird throwback, very weird reference. Like, Billie Eilish wasn't even born when that shit was. Wow. I guess. Isn't she? Because she's, she's not even, she's like 15, isn't she? I have no idea. Uh, is she that young? I don't know. I thought she was 18. Or she's in the audience going like, what the fuck? Probably Leo's girlfriend is like, what the fuck? Right? <laughs> they don't know. Wow, low blow. Low blow. Right, so. Also, I love Brad Pitt's speech and like him pointing out that there needs to be some recognition for stunt performers because that's huge, I think. Um, they should definitely have a category for stunt work. And I think 
Parasite and some of the other movies that came out this year, it also shows that there should be some sort of ensemble award because none of the actors in Parasite were nominated for any acting awards, even though they were all fantastic. You can't really blame them because they work as like a cohesive unit, you know? And it's hard to single out a single performance to award an Academy Award. I think the same goes for Knives Out. That's the other one that I was trying to think of, where it's the whole cast working together in a great group performance, you know? Those are the things that I kind of took away from, so... I personally do want to kind of renege on something I said last week, just because I know me and me and Amir talked a little bit about that whole like what's her name, Rebel Wilson and James Corden cats thing. And okay, I, I do kind of want to take back what I said a little bit, just because I do think looking at the conversation afterwards and then really understanding the situation or the jokes that they were making, I do think that mm-hmm. it was a little in poor taste. And you know, we look at the movie cats and we look at the graphics. Yes, they may be a little scary, but. Someone put in hard work to do that, and for them to make light of that is 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 a little disrespectful. It's true, right? Because like the VFX team, they're nowhere near at fault for what happened with that. That's the creative direction of the creative team behind the film that approved those designs and and things like that. And and VFX people get it really bad in the industry, you know? Because like I know recently it's just been like a race to the bottom of like saving as much money as you can on VFX for your films. And, like, all of this is pretty evident in, like, all the big blockbusters. There's, like, three or four, maybe, VFX companies working on Avengers Endgame. It's not just one company. Did you know that? Oh, no. It's, like, Weta Digital. There's some other ones. They all work on it, and they split up the work, right? So it's just a really ugly race to the bottom and to Mm -hmm. kind of throw the VFX companies under the bus that way is is kind of in poor taste i think so yeah i want to renege say you know (laughs) those probably spoke too quickly on that and definitely after fact i'm like "Mm, yeah no that was in poor taste (laughs) glad to see you come around (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can uh, move on to birds of prey and it's confusing ass title (laughs) so yes let (laughs) us get to our main movie birds of prey uh, I'm not going to say the last part, <laughs> but <laughs> just because uh, we, we don't know what this movie is supposed to be called, right? I mean, it was like just a week after that terrible first opening weekend, as, as it's been reported. Uh, okay, okay. I want to say one thing I, about Birds of Prey. Sorry, I was, was going to put terrible in, in parentheses. <laughs> in quotations. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, in quotations, but yeah. yeah absolutely. I think it might have escaped the realm of rational thought for people on Twitter or like social media and shit. The movie did fine. Yeah. It's not a bomb, it's not a flop, and it's not a massive hit either. Mm -hmm. It just did fine, right? Yeah. Did it underperform projections? Sure. But it's not like some kind of giant failure. So, like, I think there were a bunch of things working against this movie. First of all, they buried the lead with the one character that was the biggest draw for the film, right? Harley Quinn should have been front and center from the beginning, right? But instead... The original title had her name as the last two words of, like, a, a what, like, 11-word title? Right, yeah. I think there were just a lot of stupid marketing mistakes with this one that could have made its opening better than it was. And, like, the film opened on Oscars weekend versus President's Day, which definitely has some kind of impact, I think. I'm not sure if the Oscars 
viewership would affect it in any way since no one watches that shit anymore <laughs> i guess yeah <laughs> and you were right amir the the ratings were at its lowest right really bad yeah, yeah. there you go but i'm almost certain that a president's day premiere would have made somewhat of a difference now the question is though would it have done as well as sonic <laughs> like if you were to put it up <laughs> against you can't it. really compare these two because like a lot of people forget that this is the only DCEU movie to be rated R. The R rating really makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, think. I mean that's what I wanted to talk about too. Is like I don't think it should have been rated R. May have been a mistake. Yeah, yeah like it I, may have been a mistake yeah. to be rated R there. I thought it had a lot of fun things that came from it being rated R, but I think it could have been taken out and it would have been just as fun. I think. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it later. I'll I'll give the a perfect example of why it shouldn't have been rated R later. Yeah, so, like, it's the first female team-up movie for the DCU, and I saw a lot of parents on social media saying that they were disappointed they couldn't take their kids to go see it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think that was the big thing against it during its premiere. But, okay, well, let's let's get into, then, what are you guys' overall thoughts of the movie? I liked it. It was fun. I'm a bit insubstantial, but mm-hmm. I had a good time. I feel like the confusing marketing definitely led me astray i might not have been as psyched to go see this in the theaters if i didn't know we were like doing an episode on it you know Mm -hmm. but i think that in the end when i did go see it i I quite liked it a lot and it was odd to hear that it was a flop and i even bought into that narrative myself at first i was telling people it was a flop and hearing that oh i was hearing good things from both critics and audience reaction and yeah i think the marketing did it a service because i enjoyed it way more than i thought i would based on what i was seeing beforehand I completely agree. Okay, I think that's it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you want to give more thoughts on that, Jeff, or do you want uh, me to get I, I've done it again. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I think the biggest thing this movie has going for it is that it didn't pretend to be something it wasn't, right? The story is just fine. Like Amir said, it's insubstantial, nothing to really write home about. Um, but it's a ton of fun. Like, Margot Robbie is amazing as Harley, and Ewan McGregor is having the time of his goddamn life as black mm-hmm. mask right yeah. the action is great the dialogue is snappy it's just a really good time you know um it didn't really pretend to be anything else yeah um i was i was pleasantly surprised yeah okay i am probably the one that probably liked it the least out of us three um okay interesting. I, I i don't know if i, I i'm not just of you Derek, very absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which is funny because I have a take later that might actually be sexist but okay let's uh, no, but, you go first <laughs> but I, not to say that I don't agree with you guys like I had a lot of fun watching this movie like again Harley Quinn was the standout character like she kind of was in Suicide Squad mm-hmm. but you're right like Ewan McGregor was awesome in this like he was yeah. in his in his own movie like he wanted to be the star of this movie and he kind of was right mm-hmm. um, I think some of the other characters, uh, specifically some of the quote-unquote Birds of Prey characters, kind of fall short for me. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. And I think the problem, like the title is the problem. I think that it basically kind of represents what I found the big issue with this movie is that it felt like two separate movies, right? If you were to separate the title, it's a Birds of Prey movie, and then it's also a movie about the emancipation of Harley Quinn. Like, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like two separate movies that would collide at times. And, of course, it it culminates at the end Mm -hmm. semi-successfully to me. But throughout the whole movie, I was just like, I I could see that scene. It felt like 
Harley Quinn and, and Cassandra Kane were kind of going one direction, and then Renee and, and Diana kind of were going in this other direction, and then it culminates at the end. And the thing that really bothered me at the end is that they separated, right? And it really did become this the origins of Birds of Prey, and then Harley Quinn and Cassandra Kane go off to do their own thing. I don't know, maybe I was confused. I thought Harley Quinn might actually become part of the Birds of Prey, just because I, you know, I don't know the comic as well, or, you know, I know that movies I mean, sometimes do things I, that differently than comics. So I thought maybe that they would do that, but then I, I guess I was very confused at the end. I do understand that, um, but I also think like if you take Harley Quinn's character at face value, that's not something that she yeah. Yeah, do that would to yeah. join like a superhero yeah. team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, but I do, I do get what you're saying about the split focus on this. Um, yeah, I mean, I have the opposite take. I, I like that they didn't all like join forces. I like that it was sort of a marriage of convenience, and uh, that they kept uh, true to the character, as Jeff was saying. I mean, she is a super villain. She's like, you know, a murderer. She's uh, you know, not a good person. So I think it was cool that they kind of had the sort of two eviler characters the pickpocket and the you know the gangster mm-hmm. mall go one way mm-hmm. and the literal cop and superhero <laughs> go the other way yeah it kind of made sense to me let's talk a little bit about what i think is probably the best thing about the movie let's talk about the action because i think some of the action is really great in this movie um and oh yeah the action's great i think i, I do the standout agree. the raid on the the police station I think mm. that set piece was great. This is the set piece that basically showed me that it shouldn't have been rated R. It has no blood. It has no real like shock violence. Like no heads are flying off or anything. She's going in on non-lethal, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm of two minds on this. Like, Ooh. I like that this movie was rated R, but that it also had the restraint to do that in the police station. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting thing for, for them to do. And it was a cool shading on Margot Robbie's performance as Harley Quinn, where she doesn't use lethal force to take on these uh, police officers. Right. I don't know. But like, again, that also means that why have it rated R in the first place. Right. Other than some F bombs and like, yeah, some legs <laughs> being <laughs> mangled <bent in> opposite <laughs> direction. Yeah. <laughs> mangled legs. Um, um, uh, does it need to be rated R for the very end? Oh, for, uh, cause for that what happens was... to Blast Mask? Yeah. I mean, you could was... do that, like... You can kind of do that PG-13, because, like, I know the rules are, like, if you just don't see a bunch of blood, sometimes you can get away with a lot of stuff. But in that, in that case, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I think it comes just from the F-bombs, honestly. Yeah. yeah. If that's the case, then it might not have been worth it. Um... I don't know, but I'm going to go a different way on that action scene, actually. Okay. So I loved parts of it, and there are parts of it I didn't like. Mm. So um, I loved the one-shot shotgun as she's taking the stuff off the bandolier reloading. Yes. And she's got, like, the smoke Mm. grenades and the confetti. It was awesome. Very cool. Um, The part of that scene I didn't like is it was a little bit too Buffy the Vampire Slayer without her being a slayer. So... What I don't understand in that scene is why, if I'm a cop, I'm scared of Harley Quinn, right? Like, how do I, as Harley Quinn with a non-lethal grenade launcher, just bust into a police station and take the whole thing over? Um, it didn't scan to me. Yeah, and I'll it yeah to, and I'll, you kind of have to suspend. Yeah, and I'll compare it yeah. to another 
police station raid scene in a completely different movie from like 30 years ago. Terminator. Terminator 1. <laughs> exactly. You read my mind, man. So, Carly Quinn is the Terminator. You know what I mean? And like, what's so cool about that scene in Terminator is that, you know, this is a horrifying monster and it's unkillable and the cops all have guns and they unload on it and it doesn't die. Right? Mm. But... All these cops have guns, and they, they just either don't use them or can't use them effectively. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't really scan to me, right? Yeah, 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 Whereas if she was like, I don't know, like I said, Buffy the Vampire is like, okay, she's super strong, super fast, I get it. Or if she was, I don't know, Black Canary, all right, she's got a superpower. Or even mm-hmm. if she was using real lethal grenades, I'd be like, okay, she like busted in on them with something they weren't prepared for. But just like... As fun as the scene was action-wise, logically it didn't completely make sense. And there yeah. were a couple of times in the movie like that where I had to suspend my disbelief of, okay, like, I love Margaret Robbie. She's got star power. She's, like, very athletic, and she probably does a bunch of her stunts and stuff. But I'm suspending my disbelief that this, you know, 125-pound girl is fighting these 6'5 dudes. You know what I mean? Like, it did at times kind of take me out of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're talking logic police here. Uh, <laughs> I was really bothered by the, you know, right at the end, they fight all those guys in the funhouse, and they're just like, we'll walk outside now, because I think it's fine. And it's like, dude, there's a bunch of guys outside probably still waiting for you. You're just going to walk outside and just one of you get shot? There's some <laughs> logical things that, yeah, like I had to kind of forgive in this movie um that kind of bothered me and the, the police station was another one i was like yeah no one's using their guns are they they're just kind of letting her have free like, reign whatever she wants yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And like yeah. in a narrative sense she's also like the joker's girlfriend right so like there's no reason these cops wouldn't use lethal force to kill her right but right, like yeah again we're just just have to suspend our disbelief on that yeah, I mean, presumably she's a murderer. And, and, and this ties back into the rated R discussion, too, right? Because if it's a not rated R movie and all the violence is sort of nonviolent, it's all sort of a little goofy, a little bit edges sanded off, then you would buy it a little more easily, right? If the whole yeah, thing was like okay, that. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's but fair. if it's an R rated movie where you're expecting, you know, uh, people to be going ham and they don't, it's a little different. Yeah. Um, but that whole sequence was fun, though. I did it. Oh, it was hella cool. Uh, it was awesome. Love the use uh, yeah, the color. The yeah. beanbag guns, you know. Um, yeah, and the color was Benny all over Cannon. the place in this movie. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. That scene was just incredibly entertaining. It's just, you know, um, nitpicking is kind of what we do. Yeah, disbelief there. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing was very, like, Looney Tunes. I thought it was pretty... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Funny, Super right? cartoonish. Like, it was fun. It was fun. She comes into the police station. She's... Um, dressed up. All yeah. dressed up. <laughs> she dressed up just to say that fucking line. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm here to report a terrible crime or whatever. <laughs> and she only uses that costume for that one line, right? Yeah. And it's very like, I don't know, Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny uh, of her to come into the police station like that. And then she like whips off the outfit and she's got like the bandolier on and all it's just funny and she has a fucking mallet it's just funny yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i love i love her um i, I love her uh, wide-eyed uh, gasp of joy when she finds the uh, baseball bat in the police yeah, 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 yeah that was so cool yeah, yeah i mean and she's uh, fantastic in this by the way yeah like, she's so she's amazing. Amazing. yeah also the greatest love story of 2020 harley and her egg sandwich <laughs> 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 the the death of the egg sandwich Cinema death I felt the most in 
2020 so, so far. far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, especially if you're a New Yorker, those egg sandwiches mean a lot. Yeah, man. It's, a, it's a very that's a very like New York media like it really shout out type of type of thing. It's it's funny because I, I remember Nolan's movies. Uh, Gotham felt very chicago to me yeah and this one definitely makes gotham feel very new york so it's interesting you know i know it's gotham supposed to be this big metropolitan city kind of shaped after like either new york or chicago or la so it's it's interesting to see how different um directors interpret yeah another thing that didn't work for me was the non-linear structure Mm -hmm. of the story and like the narration i mean the narration was fine but like um telling it in a non-linear order didn't really work for me. It didn't really make any sense why they chose to do that. Um, because when they cut back and forth, they're not actually adding anything new um, that we didn't see the first time around. You know what I mean? So, like, there's no real point to doing that. I don't know, Amir, do you have a different... Yeah, I no, no, that? actually, I agree completely. There's no real reason to do it. Um, in terms of like story mechanics, the only thing that makes it work for me is it's kind of mirroring Harley's disorganized thinking. Yes, you know what okay. I mean. Like yeah. She's yeah, kind okay. of an, she okay. she kind of is disorganized that way. She tells the story in disorganized fashion. It's just kind of how it kind of made sense to me thematically. But yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. They didn't do it in anything particularly clever. With it. It's not you know Memento or whatever. It's you know yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a Tarantino movie. You know, it's not yeah. just. Uh, it's just something they kind of decided to do. And, like, it's fine. It didn't bother me. It just, uh, you're right, it didn't add anything particularly either. Yeah. yeah. I agree with Amir in the sense that I, I saw that it was kind of supposed to be her, like, her mental state, right? It kind of jumps, you know, back and forth and being this kind of unreliable narrator or this kind of narrator that's just a little not stable. The thing that bothered me most about it was just, I think, the way they cut the scenes and some of the links of the scenes that they cut away so that at times I forgot why they're showing me the scene. Does that make sense? The one that I think stood out to me most was the Huntress right before, you know, she pulls out the bow and arrow and she's like, my name is, and then it cuts to her backstory where we see her family get murdered. And then she gets stolen away by that hitman, And then, and then she gets trained and then it cuts back to her saying Huntress. And I'm like, Oh, so that was the way, like I forgot that that's why we cut away from the scene. Yeah, it's a little jarring. Yeah, it, it, I so like mm-hmm. that. I think the way they cut was not as effective as I think they wanted it to be. But I understand. I think it was trying to be cute, but it was a little awkward yeah. in the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. most. Um, so so, so you, you do see her origin story twice, sort of, right? You see yeah, it when you they do. talk about the diamond, and then you see it again when she mm-hmm. herself is introduced, right? Yeah. So they are sort of layering or adding something on there, and I don't know if that's yeah. redundant or. I think it's a little. Well, they could have done it better, but, but I mean, I know I liked it fine. I thought I thought Mary Elizabeth Winston great. Yeah, great, great I was contrast. just gonna say. Uh, I mean, she was one of the one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's really, really great as Huntress, and like she probably has the most limited screen time of all Absolutely. the birds of prey, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But even then, I think Renee Montoya and Dinah Lance kind of get the short end here a little bit. Um, Absolutely, they don't, they don't sparkle just, in the same way. Yeah, isn't enough room for them to have really fleshed out characters um oh man i disagree with you guys for me i love her as an actress and i felt like she was the one that got the short stick in this whole thing like i didn't oh but i think i think she just made a bigger impact with the short time that she had um 
And I just thought Renee Montoya and Dinah Lance were just kind of, eh, whatever. You know, floating around, doing their own thing. Yeah. But... I mean, I, I felt like... Every time... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt like the whole Birds of Prey, like, side of it all just kind of, like, was a little bit of an afterthought. And, like, they all kind of didn't get... A little bit. They didn't get their dues compared to, like... Uh, Harley Quinn and but yeah, for me yeah. it was the Huntress that seemed to be the one that got the least like I understood like I loved her kind of characterization of this like super awkward person that doesn't know how to socialize one bit like I love that part of her her character but yeah, yeah. kind of knowing a little bit about the actual Huntress character like it seemed really hitting these points of like I want revenge I'm gonna get revenge and now I'm gonna be a hero Versus, I think there's more layers to her character, especially, like, I've watched the Arrowverse stuff, and I think they do a little bit more justice to her character, right? But that's long-form television, so I understand you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're able to give more due diligence to the character. But also, like, what I remember from, like, Justice League Unlimited, right? Like, she is this kind of torn, like, vigilante that, like, at times fights with wanting to be good, but also, you know, wants to revenge her family, and, yeah. and she sometimes doesn't pick the right side of the law because of that. But, like, I didn't really get any of that in this movie, I don't know. What do you guys feel about that? Well, I mean, she is straight up murder. Yeah, she is. Like, she is. Shooting people through the, <laughs> yeah, through the, the neck. <laughs> the with her. Um, I think that's just the problem with having a complete character. I mean, you can't call it a complete character arc because yeah. it isn't one. But like um, having to have this character in this movie to introduce her and resolve her arc within the same two hour span. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to be as nuanced as you want it to be as like a fan of uh, other interpretations of the same character right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah I I totally understand like I I should really judge it based on what the movie does versus what I expect of the character Yeah, but just knowing a little bit more about the character was a little bit disappointing but I like I said I still liked what she did with it and especially the the socially awkward stuff and it makes so much sense that a person that's like born to be an assassin would just not be able to relate to people Yeah, and I I love the little joke with uh, the crossbow crossbow killer killer. or whatever. (laughs) It reminded Um, me of um, (laughs) Mirror Guy. (laughs) Mirror Guy, yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, definitely want reminded me of that. It actually just reminded me of something. This is a little bit of comic book stuff, but so the Cassandra Kane in the comics is actually a little more like the Huntress from this movie. So Cassandra came yes. in the comics, for people yeah. who don't know. Um, she's an Asian girl, just like she's in this movie, but instead of being a pickpocket, she's like a super assassin who was raised by assassins, and in exchange for like not learning to talk or something, she is like an even more super assassin than the super assassins who trained her. Um, and I don't know if the Huntress is, in, is a deliberate nod to that or something, because they didn't do that interpretation of the Cassandra Kane character, but strikes me as an interesting parallel. Mm, yeah yeah um so i know a lot of people are hating on this interpretation of cassandra kane i know i talked to amir to you a little bit about um my thoughts on it i actually kind of like uh kathy yen and uh christina hodson's like take on the character um i was never a big fan of cassandra kane i always thought she was a little racist (laughs) um (laughs) Just because... Like the portrayal of her in the comics, you mean? Yeah, I think it's been better recently because they have, like, an Asian writer take over the character, but they've always mistreated the character, Mm -hmm. I think. Like, she's just, like, this mute martial artist, and she's, like, training with um, 
another martial artist by the name of Lady Shiva, you know, and it's a little cliche, I think, and a little stereotypical where she's just like exotic. She's mute. Um, she's snake eyes. She's like, yeah, she doesn't, she can't talk. Yeah, she, exactly. She's, she's snake eyes, fucking snake eyes. Yeah. Um, um, and they just took the character in a completely different direction with this. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. I mean, you can definitely say that it's Cassandra Kane in name only. Yeah. Right. But like, there's still, if you're going to do other movies, there's still room to develop her into a martial artist or whatever, you know? So like, you're not pigeonholed into, uh, having her be this pickpocket grifter forever. Right. Um, I don't know. I kind of dug it. I did like it. It's a pickpocket grifter is very 2020. Having your having the defining characteristic of your female character be that she doesn't talk is probably not a good look. Mm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's the racism aspect, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like in love with Cassie Kane as a character from the comics either, so like I, I don't feel a particular attachment to that. Um, yeah. I liked this interpretation more than I thought I would. I just sometimes like to see them do the comics adaptation of a character straight up. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, they did that with, and maybe, and maybe sometimes you can't do that because maybe the comic character is just yeah. bad. Like maybe Cassie King's just a bad character. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe it just sucks. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I don't know. Um, I kind of got into it on Twitter with some fucking crazy Cassandra Kane fans or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I'm always getting myself into this shit, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. They're like, oh, read the comics. She's more than that or whatever. But like. I don't know. Just never been a huge fan of the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be a huge Cassandra Kane fan. I'm not saying you're a racist just because you like Cassandra Kane. It's fine. She's not real. She's a comic book character. It's fine. Right? Um, so all I'm saying is I dug this interpretation. It's a little more sensitive. It's a little more interesting, I think. It's it's cool. I, I enjoyed it. Um, do you it's guys nice want to get into there from Jeff uh, and all of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. all of French, the comic yeah. book fans? Very, very unlike me to DS. Very unlike you. I'm going <laughs> to blow that all up and say, if you like Cassandra Kane, you're a racist. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. It's fine. Like whoever you want. I don't care. The last character I do want to talk about before we move off the subject of the characters is the Dinah Lance character, the Black Canary. I felt, mm-hmm. I think they were trying to culminate, right, to this moment where she finally uses her power. And it just didn't work for me. I don't know about you guys, mm-hmm. right? Because she only really uses it once in the movie. And right. there is, like, no... I felt the buildup wasn't a setup correctly, right? Like, if you don't know the comics, you don't know who this character is, you're just like, what are they trying to build up to yeah. this? Yeah, it worked for me because I knew. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you didn't know the character, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, well, you had a little bit of foreshadowing in the lounge where she blows up the glass, yeah. but... Um, Renee Montoya yeah. says something to her about it as well. Like, well, she says, like, oh, your mother was a hero, like, and you should be living up to your mother. There's something about special power yeah. in there, too, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, she some, like, little hint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is that you knew if you watched the trailer, because the trailer gives away that moment, the only moment she uses oh, her really? powers. So I was yeah, like, there's like a little clip of that. Now that I'm thinking about it, like hindsight's 2020, I'm like, you gave away the only moment she actually uses that power, and like it took it away from me, I guess. I, I'm coming in with a little too much baggage here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. This is your trailers thing again. You just need to stop watching <laughs> I, trailers, yeah, man. I know. 
I, I did for many, many years, and then I just had to, like, I got back into the kick, and it's like an addiction now. <laughs> um, also, one more thing before we move off of characters, like, I thought the villains in this were great. Yes. Ewan McGregor was awesome. Uh, Chris Messina as mm-hmm. Victor Zaz was awesome. Which I did not recognize. Um, like, he looks different to me. Yeah, he looks totally yeah. different. He's like, uh, bleach blonde. He's fucking all crazy looking. Their uh, little dynamic was pretty neat too and i don't know ewan mcgregor is just having like a, the time of his life with this role and mm-hmm. he's like very flamboyant and very fun as a villain but also he's fun until he's not he's also legitimately scary really fucking scary yeah. <laughs> right like mm-hmm. where that scene where he's forcing that girl in the club to like undress and shit that's yeah. Yeah. really fucked up yeah um, skin crawling yeah and i i thought i liked the scene but then like it's you know speaking about like our time like this is 2020 do we still need scenes where like a guy exerts his power by making a woman undress like it's like but i think that's the whole point yeah yeah because i think part of it is having kathy yan and christina hodson that's true it is all driving forces behind Mm -hmm. the film and i think that makes it work a lot more uh, than like if a man was directing this film that is a very good point and this is also the moment where Dinah's character worked for me. Mm. Um, because this whole time, there's like this push and pull between her being like, I don't give a shit about any of this stuff. I'm working for this scumbag. I don't care. You know, um, even though I like to do the right thing, but I gotta like Look for watch out for number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So, but like after she sees how he treats this woman in the lounge, like, I think like a gear turns in her head, and that's the turning point for the character. And I thought that really worked for me. But yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, she's the audience avatar in that moment. She's as disgusted with him as you are. Right? Yeah, exactly. So and yeah, and so it, to- it totally works there. So I actually wanted yeah. to ask you guys because you guys might be able to speak to this more than uh, I ever would, and I-, I actually don't know much about the black mass character. Is there a reason why this mask is important? Like, because I don't think the movie successfully. I don't. I don't think there is. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe Jeff knows more about it. I really don't think there is. I think he's just so a serial killer. He he's just a gangster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the comics, he can't take it off because he has an accident where it's burned onto his face. Oh, so it's like okay. part of his face, like forever. Um, but they never did anything with that in the movie. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, which is fine. Which is fine. I, yeah, do they ever call him Black Mask in the movie? I don't think so, right? Oh, do He's they? always I don't called know. Roman. Yeah. Roman or so. Sionis. Yeah, I don't um, remember if they actually call him Black Mask. Oh, wow. Good question. Yeah. yeah. Which then makes me further ask, like, why about when, why this Black Mask? <laughs> if his, like, crime bo- or crime name isn't, like, Black Mask or something. You know what I mean? It's just weird. Um, yeah, yeah, But, um, yeah. Also, another interesting thing I want to point out is that is Harley Quinn the youngest comics character to have like a big screen adaptation oh youngest is yeah. in from when she was invented to when she gets yeah, a movie yeah cuz technically uh, wasn't um winter soldier i mean i know bucky's an old character but winter soldier yes, was created in like oh yeah. i'm like talking about like headlining good call, Derek. yeah that is a good call yeah. but like headlining your own movie yeah i guess i mean he was the big villain in winter soldier and everything and he's been in marvel movies but i guess he's going to be headlining soon right his own series the, yeah, yeah. The, the show yeah. Um, but yeah, you might be right. Like, I mean, 
history about the character people don't know she's actually not a comics creation she's an animated series creation yeah right? she's created by mm-hmm. paul dini of uh the batman animated yeah, series which is so cool um so like this is also another thing people are complaining like that this is some woke feminist screed or whatever but harley's complex like relationship with the joker has been a part of like the fabric of her character since the beginning right like her unhealthy dependence on the Joker and, like, that abusive relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's always been part of that character. So you can't say, like, this movie's inventing something just to be woke, right? Um, yeah, and she's had plenty of comic storylines where she's separated from the Joker, right? Where she does her yeah, own thing. She yeah. headlines her own comics. You know, she's had a lesbian relationship with uh, Poison Ivy, right? So it's like... Is that is that canon? Yeah, I thought there was... Um, comic isn't there a harley and, and poison ivy comic line yes, i've actually never but read it i don't, I don't know think if it's... that that actually like goes as far as making that subtext into text oh okay um, right, that's what but I, I don't know maybe it does i actually don't know i don't i don't yes I don't if anybody out there knows them, and, like knows comics please email us and let us yeah amir what did you want to say you, did you want to say something about yes um, i think the movie did and this is another way in which the movie did itself a disservice, right, in the marketing, is that it does make it look like it's going to be some, like, I don't know, feminist girl power sort of screed in the marketing. And, like, that's kind of not what the movie's about. It's kind of just, like, a very fun crime movie where the leads happen to be girls. It's not like a, I don't know, overtly message movie, really. Yeah, like, I I, yeah. I got that message more and I think from the marketing last year's bombshells than I, I ever felt that this movie ever kind of came across that way yeah i think if you look at the advertisement for this you'd go oh it's like some kind of weird like woke super feminist movie which like wouldn't be bad but i think would drive off a large segment of the typical comic book movie audience who just might not be into that and i think that they maybe did this just to service because that's not really what the movie is like i mean like there are definitely really big like feminist undertones here and I think like Kathy Yan and Christina Hodson again, they they do a good job of not beating you over the head with it. They give you a lot of little moments that I really liked. Like in the final fight where uh, Harley throws Black Canary a hair tie, I thought that was like a good way to represent women in these types of movies, right? Because like I hear a lot of people on social media be like, oh, like a male writer or something would never think of that, mm-hmm. right? And I thought that was just a cool little moment. It's not like oh, watch out for your hair. Do you need a hair tie because you are a woman or whatever? <laughs> you, know? you have long like, hair. It's not you something need a like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's just a small moment, right, where they just throw it at each other. They recognize it. and Yeah, I. now that you yeah. point it out, I do, I do remember that moment, and I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, and I like there's like a nice little subtle through line throughout the movie where each of these characters... Um, like emancipation is in the title of the mm-hmm. movie, right? Mm-hmm. And each of these characters is trying to emancipate themselves in some way from men, right? So like Huntress is on like a revenge spree trying to kill all the men that massacred her family, right? And then Renee Montoya, she's always being sidelined by uh, the men in her precinct. Um, and then obviously Harley has the Joker. And then Dinah Lance, she's got Roman Sionis, right? And who's her boss, really. She's his driver. She's like the singer in his lounge. And she has to witness all these things that are being done in that lounge, you know? So um, I thought it was just a nice little touch, you know? 
and I liked it. Um, looping back around maybe a second, just mm-hmm. to like the relationships, because you're talking about Harley and Joker and their relationship. Mm-hmm. Did you guys catch both of these things? One, that Harley's canonically bi in this movie, and two, that Renee Montoya is... Not only a lesbian, but it was going out with the DEA played by Ali Wong. See, yes. yes. Okay. I did I, get I, that. I, I, did I get that correctly, or was I not understanding that correctly? I missed it, yeah. actually, the the DEA thing. I didn't realize that they were exes, actually. Yes. I thought I caught it, and I was like, okay, I probably should verify with you guys. <laughs> I don't know if Ali Wong's playing a comic book character. Is she? I don't think so. I think they just wanted her in a movie, yes. which is cool, because she's very funny. I thought Ali Wong was kind of distracting in this movie. Like, I she thought didn't really the same play thing. up her. Uh, she didn't really play up her like comedic side. Yeah, underused. Movie. She's not even like a character from the comics. Like, I don't know what was going on there. Like, she could have been like Maggie Sawyer or something. That would have been nice. Yeah. But that would have been um, cool. I think yeah, it's as simple as they just wanted to work with her. To be honest. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Because um, I, I was sitting there, I was like, wait, Ali Wong's in this movie. I didn't know Ali Wong's yeah. in this movie, and yeah, it took me out for like a minute. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Sorry, what was your first question about Harley Quinn, Amir? Oh, that she's uh, bisexual in this movie. Oh, because they, they make that kind of like nod to like a redhead, right? At the beginning of the movie. Uh, they talk about past failed relationships. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Past mm-hmm, failed relationships, mm-hmm. and one of them is a woman, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be mm-hmm. Boys and Ivy, but um, that is also uh, like explicitly mentioned in the movie if not yeah yes yeah i mean it's it's how i kind of feel about the the ali wong thing it's just it kind of comes and goes right it's it's never really made a big point and i i don't think yeah Yeah. this movie never really focuses on any kind of personal or sexual relationships with the characters so uh as much thought as they give it i I guess i haven't really given much thought on it either okay relationship talk too then (laughs) Um, the relationship between Zaz and Black Mask. Yeah, that was a little... I was a little confused by their relationship. Oh, there's definitely some homosexual subtext there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Is it subtext, or are they just supposed to be lovers? I don't know. Is it too uh, text to be subtext? Maybe? Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Is it? Like, it's pretty on the surface there. Like, Zaz is pretty, like openly jealous of uh the black canary Mm -hmm. Um, right 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 and like he's pretty controlling and they're pretty intimate and it's pretty like yeah it might be a little too overt to be subtext maybe it's subtext maybe it's just supposed to be like a sexualized but not sexual relationship it just has that energy i don't know yeah did you like that though i thought it was great yeah yeah the ambiguity of it i was like are they? Aren't they? The movie never really answers it, and I don't think I needed an answer, but I think... Yeah, it, okay, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I just think that yeah. the relationship was a fun yeah. one, so I wanted to bring it up, because I thought it was... I thought it was fun. I liked what the, I liked what uh, Messina was doing with Zaz, yeah. being very jealous, being very, like, <laughs> uh, really needing Black Mass attention all the time, and, like... Yeah. Uh, I, I think, actually, speaking a little bit more about the Zaz character, I think they really missed the mark on what I think could have been a really cool design for a character because what I know about Victor Zaz, right? He's a guy who like scars himself for like every one of his victims. And like, mm. I think it would have been a really cool moment if we had like a full body shot of him. Right. Yeah. I think so too. Cause like, you just yeah. see it on the chest. Like, yeah. Like, all they do is they like, give you like a little flash. He's like, yeah, Oh, I'm going to yeah. put you right here. I'm like, dude, I would have loved to like seen like how scarred up his body is. Right. Cause then it represents like how messed up this guy is. If you could see it all over his body. So I, I kind of wish they, they did that. And I think that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. 
but again, baggage. <laughs> Coming in with baggage. <laughs> yeah. I'll make a note of that. Derek wants to see more shirtless Christmas Cena. Yes. <laughs> just, just shirtless men in general. <laughs> also, I don't know what the fuck people are saying when they don't think the women in this movie are sexy. Like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Holy shit. Like, her outfit was great. All the costumes are great in this. Right? Like, I would shoot back, like, why do you not think they're sexy? Is it because they're wearing too much clothes? Like, what is it? Yeah, I mean, they're just Because these are, like, badass women that are, like, kicking butt, and, like, what's Yeah, that? they're just man-children who have to see some titty, you know? Like, just... <laughs> All right, all, right, up, all right, right, all right, all right, all right, Mr. Married Guy. I'm going to stand up for the titty seers uh, in the audience here. Um, okay, so obviously Margot Robbie's gorgeous, right? Um, and, like, all the women in the movie are obviously very good looking. Um, and, like, she's not wearing very much in the movie. It's not like she's, like, dressed like a freaking nun. I mean, she's Harley Quinn, her bra showing like every other scene, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's insane to say that she's not sexy or that, it, like, they frumped up the character or something somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. Um, but I guess maybe if you're just not into Harley Quinn, you're not into that look, maybe that's not your thing. Is, is that what they're getting at? Like, I don't even know. Because, like, I mean, I guess if you see her in, like, I don't know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she's just, like, radiant in that versus the kind of grungier look in this, maybe it's, like, a style thing? I don't know. I'm just trying to get know. to the head. I think... To the heads of troglodytes, and maybe it's not worth doing. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's worth doing. Whatever. Okay. Well, then, I, Amir, I guess I would answer that with: Did anyone have a problem with how Harley Quinn looked like in Suicide Squad when she only had a bra and was putting on a shirt, and she's being like ottled by like uh, you know a group of men? A, I didn't see that movie. <laughs> Jeff is the official troglodyte whisperer, so I'll let him take this. What What do the idiots think, Jeff? <laughs> Um, I'm not a troglodyte whisperer. If I was a whisperer, I would be able to control them. And I wish I could fucking control these fuckers because they're kind of out of control. Yeah. But like, I don't know. They yeah. just want to see tits. I think that's the only thing. Like they love that new 52 slutty uh, costume. And like, oh, is I don't know. They're, why they're guys. Yeah, they're guys that are like um, to think this is sexy or whatever, and they put. The picture of Margot Robbie in Birds of Prey next to like Harley Quinn in like a bikini or some shit. They're fucking idiotic. You okay, know? So, it's not, so, so it's not even really a Margot Robbie's not hot enough thing. It's no. like they didn't do my favorite comic book costume correctly when exactly. Kind of thing. exactly. Holy shit, that's almost worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. I mean, <laughs> what I want to say is like. I think it's great to see these characters on the big screen. I think yes. a lot of people are scratching their heads going, who the fuck are the Birds of Prey? Um, which is kind of the movie's marketing problem, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, I've been familiar with them since forever ago. And I've, like, read most of Gail since, Simone's... Since the Gail Simone run? Yeah. yeah, entire run of comics. It's just great seeing Black Canary, Huntress, Renee Montoya on, like, the big screen. And... I also know these characters from the DC animated universe too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like the funny thing about that is a lot of those characters are like the definitive versions in my head, right? Like, Absolutely, hundred percent. They're my head canon. Like 100%. if you say Batman, I don't think Michael Keaton or Christian Bale or Val Kilmer. I think like Kevin Conroy, right? Absolutely. I think yeah. like Ken Schreiner as Green Arrow, Amy Acker as Huntress, Marina Baccarin as Black Canary, um, and. 
I'm not like overly attached to those characters because like or those act- actors and actresses playing those characters. It's just really really cool seeing movie versions of these characters played by flesh and blood actors. It it just has that quality to it, and I was surprised by like how visceral that feeling was seeing those. DC characters on screen, you know? Yeah, DC's That's still fun. pretty early in its, like, adaptation life cycle, right? Like, this is, what, DC movie 10 versus Marvel movie 30-something? So like it's eight. They, they've still got, or eight? Yeah, Jesus. So they've, they've still got a bunch of relative A-listers left, right? Whereas Marvel's yeah. onto, like, the Eternals and shit like that. Which, like, hey, yeah. I mean, they made Guardians of the Galaxy work, but um, DC still has some heavy hitter A-lister characters that people are going to like and remember. So that is yeah. cool. All right. So, I mean, let's get into it now. Best DCEU movie? Ugh. All right. I'm not going to start. <laughs> give me, <laughs> give me, start. Give me a second to think about this. <laughs> I think it's in a tie with Shazam right now as like maybe like B pluses. So you would say if it's not this, it's Shazam. They're about the same, I'd say. Oh, man. Um... um... I'm going to let you go first, Jeff. Uh, okay. I tweeted my ranking earlier. Oh, I didn't uh, even see it. Okay, so here's my ranking. Uh, one, Birds of Prey. Two, Wonder Woman. Three, Shazam. Four, Aquaman. Five, Man of Steel. Six, Justice League. Seven, Batman v Superman. Eight, Suicide Squad. You put Justice League over Batman vs. Superman? Yeah, that's Batman vs. Superman is balls that movie sucks justice league is actually at least a little bit of fun i um, disagree with that i I, I like batman vs superman more than i don't think it's the the best uh, dcu but i do like moments in it way better than i like just like justice league was a bore to me oh i thought justice league was actually at least a little bit of fun i mean it's still terrible like when Um, i think of batman vs superman i think about that at least the batman scene in the warehouse was like sick right i love that that fight scene i guess but that whole movie is just so tedious um i think jesse eisenberg sucks as lex Luthor, um Mm. and that whole martha thing is so stupid yeah i think doomsday is stupid stupid um yeah but then i could say i don't what is the villain in justice league wolf wolf uh steppenwolf i think is just I mean, Steppenwolf is horrendous. It's horrible. Yeah, awful. Uh, I remember hearing reports that like Justice League should have been or was potentially at, at some point going to be two movies. And once I heard that, like I can kind of see the seams of like them trying to bring back Superman, and like that felt kind of forced. And I just think yeah. Batman v Superman is so humorless and not fun. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Justice League, Justice League has, has a little bit humor. of that Joss Whedon fun in there. Uh. Um, I have no urge to see Justice League again, but at least I want to see that Batman scene from Batman vs. Superman. I mean, like, one scene doesn't really... Oh, you mean the one scene where he murders, like, 80 people? He kills people? a bunch of people, yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm okay what with. What Batman is well known to do. Oh, yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I There's nothing in Justice League that I... That's not the question. Okay. Um... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Cause the... I held my fire there, because... I did, wasn't even as angry about that ranking as about how's Wonder Woman better than Shazam? It's hard for me. Dude, Ares is awful. Ares is awful. But so are Savannah's Seven Sins. Yeah, those are uh, pretty bad yeah, people. They're, they're, they're kind of crummy, too. I could but see. I think Shazam is more fun. Yeah, yeah I could I don't I know. I think see, Shazam's though. the better movie. Like, 
I don't even think it's that close. Like, Wonder Woman's kind of not that good. Like, Wonder Woman I can see it. Gets, gets, like, uh, the representation bump that Black Panther gets, but Wonder Woman's not that good. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. Wonder Woman's I mean, Wonder Woman's either plus, two or right? three. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say, I, I, right, to maybe but... defend Jeff's ranking, I, I think Wonder Woman... I would put on top of Shazam only because I think Wonder Woman's a more important movie. See, I don't know, man. Like that's kind of all that counts. Like it counts to me. Yeah. Like, I, like I think that that that's... are you going to go back and watch it because it's important? No, you're going to go back and watch it because it's but I also good like, or not. I also don't have an urge to go back and watch Shazam. <laughs> that's true too. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I actually don't really have an urge to go back and watch it either. So, yeah. I mean, so fair, I, I fair guess okay. I guess if my I would probably put at this point probably Birds of Prey first just because. For me, it has the best action of any of the DCEU movies, and I think arguably has the best villain in the DCEU universe. So I guess those two things probably combine to why I like it probably the most out of all of them. Yeah, I think uh, Birds of Prey ranking number one is like the product of two things. There isn't anything that is completely stupid in it, and there isn't something that's completely boring in it. Wonder Woman, you have Ares. Shazam, you have like the Seven Sins, mm-hmm. Gargoyles, or whatever the fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Aquaman kind of drags a little bit. It's a little boring in places. I just remember the desert stuff is just like, let's get this over with. Yeah, I think Man of Steel like completely botches Superman's character. So like, mm-hmm. Birds of Prey is like I think the most solid out of all eight of the movies. Yeah, um, I actually really like Man and of Steel though. I actually really like Man. I mean, Man of Steel is fine. Yeah. I mean, if you don't think of it as a Superman movie, it's it's yeah. pretty good actually. Yeah. Um, the fight uh, with the Kryptonians kind of were best actually. The, yeah, the middle segment yeah, yeah, where, the yeah, where they're fighting in Smallville. Yeah, that is cool. That was a really good. That segment. is cool. Yeah. The last fight, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just so think the, it's the last that... fight's good in a spectacle sort of way. It's just bad in a thematic way. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I also think it's funny that. Birds of Prey is kind of a follow-up to Suicide Squad, which is by far the worst, the worst mm-hmm. right, yeah, uh, DCEU movie, ends. which it's so bad, Amir hasn't even seen it. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true, and I might not. I mean, I've just never heard anything good about it. Like, yeah, it's, my time. It's, There's so many good uh, movies to see in the world, guys. <laughs> but I, I agree with that. That is definitely the bottom of the DCEU. Maybe we're trending up because this is the latest movie, and we think it's the best one in the slate. So hopefully... Wonder Woman. Yeah, 19, for sure. I think yeah. the DCEU has started to get their shit together a little bit. And like in my review, which I just published today, which I gave Birds of Prey a B, mm-hmm. which is pretty fair, I think. It's a B Very fair. Movie. Yeah. yeah. I think the great thing that they're doing with this cinematic universe is that it's more DC than EU, right? Yes. Um, yes. They're kind of forgetting, about, forgetting about that. Yep. building this expanded universe thing. Um, and just focusing on making fun movies, which is fine. Um, even Joker, I have to admire, right? Because they're doing something different. It's not part of anything. It got a lot of attention, a lot of like Oscars uh, buzz and nomination. It even got a Best Actor win. Yeah. So like, I admire what they're doing with, with this. They're they're kind of coming around, you know? Yeah. Okay. And 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 to make it explicit, like. They're doing something very different than what Marvel's doing, right? Marvel, right? Which they should have done in the beginning, right? I think. Well, I'm not sure I'm going the same direction as you are with this. So, like, 
I mean, I'm just thinking, like, director-wise, like, DC's actually, it seems like they're giving their directors a little bit of room to kind of experiment. They and are. Their own they really are. Imprint on the movies, right? Whereas, like, Marvel's like, hey, this is the Marvel house style. We do it like this. And you can see the benefits of that kind of house style and uh, heavy and heavy hand when you see how badly the Star Wars movies were botched. But mm-hmm. um, it's really cool to see DC go the other way and start to find some success with letting auteurs right. have a little bit of freedom. I, like you can see, like, because Scott Derrickson, he left Doctor Strange because, or Doctor Strange 2, because he didn't want to conform the way Marvel or Disney wanted him to, mm-hmm. to the house style, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've heard, like, those reports, but then you also hear about, like, James Gunn has come to their defense and saying, like, I was able to do what I wanted. And it was very much, I feel, different than, you know, the Guardians movies were very much different than some of the other Marvel movies. And it felt like he had an imprint on it. I feel like Ryan Coogler had his imprint on on Black Panther. So, like, I, I don't think it goes one way or the other with Marvel. But I will say that some of the DC movies, yes, maybe they've given their their auteurs a little bit more freedom. But that doesn't always seem to work out either, though, right? Because... I don't think, you know, the choice what uh, Snyder does with Batman or what does Snyder does with Superman always works. So I think that freedom doesn't always work either, though. I, I think it, it goes both ways. Well, Yeah, it goes both ways. I, I mean, the problem with the freedom isn't the freedom, the problem is Snyder. But that's, that's a different discussion. That's... Yeah. All right. Well, I think unless anybody has anything else they want to say, is that going to conclude our episode this week? Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. We said it all. Great. Where can people find you, Jeff? Uh, people can find me on strangeharbors.com. Um, I actually just posted the review of Birds of Prey, so if you want to check that out, um, we're going to link that to the episode of this podcast as well. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors, and you can also follow me on Letterboxd at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? I'm going to say follow my letterbox as well. Um, we're still building that out. Uh, still working on it. But yes. Hey, yeah, update that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been trying to yeah, work on it too. Uh, you can follow me at the wrong dig, dig spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that's also for uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but if you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, give us a high star rating on, on Apple Podcasts. This really helps to get our podcast out to more listeners and helps us to grow our audience so definitely help us do that um yeah so if any questions comments suggestions you can email us at uh info at strangeharbors.com and i think uh, for next week we haven't quite solidified what we're going to be talking about but i think we'll go back and start doing some more uh, talks about uh, tv properties so stay tuned for next week and we'll dive into some tv things but uh i think this was a great episode it was a fun time talking about this movie even though i maybe didn't have the most fun watching it at times but uh, i think it's still worth a watch i would definitely still kind of recommend this movie all right well we'll see you guys next week yeah see you guys next week all right down in gotham with the birds of prey where all the bad bitches come out to play with a hip kick and a knee in the dick come see our movie it's gonna be sick